Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Camila Coase, and I will be the moderator for today's discussion about women and reintegration. This event is part of the Migration Week, organized by the UN Migration Work Network, and it comes under a research partnership between the Migration Policy Institute and the German Development Cooperation Agency, GIZ, supported by the German Federal Ministry for Economy Cooperation and Development, BMZ. I'd start with a housekeeping note. If you have any technical problem, please email events at migrationpolicy.org or call the number on the screen. Um, the webinar will last an hour. We will have a Q&A at the end of the call. So please type any question in the Q&A box or email them to events at migrationpolicy.org. And I would like to start by acknowledging that um, three weeks ago, MPI and MPI Europe funding president, Dimitri Papadimitriou passed away. Dimitri will forever shape how we approach policy question in the migration field. And beyond being an exceptional individual and a great mentor for many of us at the Institute, he left a lasting mark on all of our work, including with our guests uh, today. MPI is planning a formal tribute um, that will be announced shortly. And to our topic today, um, in May um, of this year, the International Migration Review Forum will be the opportunity to take stock of what has changed since the adoption of the Global Compact for Safe, Orderly and Regular Migration in 2018. The agreement on a common objective on return and reintegration was a main achievement at the time of the negotiation and the compact encouraged for more cooperation between countries of origin and countries of destination in this area. Of course, a lot of work remains to be done to make return more human, to make reintegration more sustainable, and to get central and local governments in countries of origin more involved in reintegration activities. In today's session, with representatives from government, international organizations, civil society actors, we turn to one specific aspect, women and reintegration. And we have with us four extremely knowledgeable panelists of this topic. First, Dr. Elke Lobo, who is the head of directorate on displacement, migration crisis, prevention and management, and commissioner for refugee policy at BMZ. Abibatu Vanifol, who is the chief of mission for the International Organization for Migration in Ghana, Togo, and Benin. Sijal Aziz, who is the Director for Return and Reintegration at the organization Weldo, based in Pakistan. And finally, Mariana Meshi, the Executive Director of Different and Equal um, in Albania. And together, we'll jump in a discussion on how donors, implementing partners, government, civil society actors can make return and reintegration work better for women. And I'd like to raise three questions before turning to our first panelist. The first one is, do women and men have different expectations when it comes to return and reintegration? And how does it depend on the context, the country they're returning to? What are the specific challenges faced by women when they return to their country? And here we're talking about women returning with their family, with their husband, with their wife, as well as women who traveled alone, sometime against the will of their relative, to meet their lover abroad, to find employment, also more freedoms and more opportunities. And while there are many initiatives already ongoing, and we'll discuss them today, what else can we do to address this issue and learn from different parts of the world? And now let me turn to Dr. Lobel, um, who will share some thoughts about what has changed in the adoption of the Global Compact on Migration and how BMZ and its partner have sought to be more proactive in addressing all of these issues. Thank you very much, uh, Camille. And uh, before, and uh, thank you very much, the panelists. I already stated it's great to have you all here on the panel because I'm very happy to have people from all over the world on the panel. Uh, but before I start a short input, I would like to express my deep sadness about the loss of my dear friend Dimitri, who always engaged uh, in, um, 
told me that I should come in with development perspective into the migration issue. So I will really miss him. And our task now is to bring the local perspective, our perspectives into the discussions on the multilateral level and international level. So I'm very sad about this. Um, but I, starting uh, with my short input, I would like to thank the M MPI for organizing this timely webinar in the run-up to the International Migration Review Forum in May. I would like also to express special thanks to the United Nations Network for Migration. I really started to discuss with Jonathan Prentice and Louis Arbor when all this was um, established uh, in Marrakesh and when we started with the GCM. It's a good opportunity to showcase good practices in the implementation on the, of the Global Compact for Migration, the GCM. And with uh, reference to our topic today, gender responsiveness and a gender transformative approach are crucial, crucial elements of German development cooperation. Um, I don't know whether you already heard that our new minister Svenja Schulz called for, for a feminist development policy for all genders. You can imagine that this is very good for us because we now have really uh, um, to put this into praxis with new ways of working and that there is some work to do. I have been working in development cooperation for a long time. I work with an NGO. I work with a women's NGO in Latin America. So I come from the grassroots uh, uh, um, uh, perspective and my experience is we have to connect to reality of uh, on the ground to shape policy and to really get a change in migration policy and in return and reintegration policy. So the successful implementation of the GCM in all its dimension requires cooperation and partnership first, from my point of view. The BMZ works closely with all relevant actors in our partner countries. We are convinced that sustainable solutions must be based on local structures, processes and actors, and very important evidence, lessons learned. And we are convinced bridging the gap by integrating our findings at the ground into the multilateral system and into the GCM is the way to go. And we, I'm planning to do that in the, all the meetings we're going to have. The GCM calls for facilitating safe and dignified return and reintegration as Camille mentioned it right now. And we pledge, we pledge for a gender responsive development oriented approach towards sustainable reintegration. So successful and sustainable return and reintegration can be a driver for economic and social development. But very important, it's not only social and economic integration. If measures integrate aspects like mental health and psychosocial care, empowerment of women, they contribute to social cohesion and peace in the countries of origin. Therefore, an integrated support to migrants and structural support to our partner countries are key pillars of our development work. German Development Corporation established advisor centers for jobs, migration and reintegration in 12 partner countries. These centers offer advice and support to returnees. The centers also advise, and this is very important to us, people who are interested in regular migration. In accordance with Do No Harm, these offers are also available for the local population. This includes vocational training, startup coaching, job placements, and psychosocial uh, support, as I mentioned. It's our 360 degree approach, we call it. All these measures are implemented in close cooperation with our partners, be it the local structures, the government, the NGOs like Solvodi, Solidarity with Women in Distress in Kenya, um, the IOM structure in Iraq. So we really, really work with and in the countries of origin. Gender responsive measures range from pre-return workshops with a gender responsive design to targeted career guidance for female returnees in Kosovo, for example, and the provision of psychosocial support for female returnees in Iraq who suffered a lot during the conflict. 
Women and girls in all their diversity have specific return and reintegration needs. To ignore a gender perspective on voluntary return and sustainable reintegration would mean to disregard a crucial factor of returnees' experiences. For example, women and girls are still predominantly victims of human trafficking and gender-based and sexualized violence. But it's a broader feel. It's because of religion, it's because of ethical points. Nevertheless, I want to stress, it's women in return and reintegration are not only victims, they are also agents of change in their societies where they reintegrate again. So the bigger picture to come to an end uh, of our um, approach is if almost half of all migrants worldwide are women, gender has to play a crucial role in migration decisions, especially in the development con context. To address the needs of all genders in all pro projects, we have to compile gender analy analysis and have introduced quality standards in all our projects. In Niger, for example, we fund a gender responsive migration uh, program where project where we cooperate with UN women and we work with the government of Niger to bring gender equality into migration policy. There's still a lot to do. The IMRF is a great opportunity to reflect on progress as well as on challenges. We need more projects with a clear focus on gender equality, especially in the area of voluntary return and sustainable reintegration, but not only, it's in the whole migration field. A recent IOM study underlined the need for more gender transformative perspectives and actions. It is against this backdrop that we choose gender responsiveness as one of our key priorities areas for the IMRF. Just to mention, we, we um, created, we built up a network of uh, displaced women with worldwide representatives of NGOs, women who have migration experience. For the first time, they themselves make their voices loud as agents of change for policy change. Together with our partners, for example, with the network, Women as Agents of Change, we stand ready to promote women and girls in all their diversity as agents of change in the migration context. I look forward to your discussions. I wish us all a successful event and to all of you a lot of power to make the change possible. Women are agents of change in the migration area more than in any others. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Dr. Lovell, for outlining all the different aspects of women and reintegration, the challenge women face, but also the opportunity that reintegration bring, as well your, your expectation, your objective with the IMRF. Um, very interesting to hear from the perspective of, of a European country um, that has been so active in linking up reintegration and, and development. Um, and now I'll turn to Ms. Wanifol, um, who's a chief of mission for IOM in Ghana, Togo and Benin, three countries of origin, transit and destination in West Africa. And I'd like to ask you specifically about Ghana, countries that receive returning from Europe, but also North Africa, Niger and the Gulf. Um, Ms. Vani, can you tell us about the main challenge faced by female returnees in Ghana, but also maybe as, as Dr. Lobo uh, alluded to, the positive aspect that can be associated with, with their return and how does their situation differ depending on where they're coming back from? Uh, thank you. Uh, first of all, allow me uh, indeed to thank MPI for uh, organizing this event and associating IAM to this uh, discussion. I'm very pleased to be part of this uh, panel. Uh, to respond to, to your question, I would like first to start by emphasizing uh, the percentage of uh, female returning uh, that still remain low. Uh, in, general, uh, in general, for instance, in Ghana, female uh, assisted through IOM assisted voluntary return program represent about 8% out of the uh, total returns. Uh, and they came mainly, as you mentioned, from Libya and Niger. We do have some returning from Europe, uh, and then they represent about uh, 15 to 25 percent. Uh, in contrast, a female returning uh, from Middle East and uh, Gulf countries uh, uh, account for about 90 percent 
99% uh, 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 about the total returnees. And nearly almost of them are victims of trafficking and or subjected to some uh, uh, potential, uh, some form of uh, exploitation. Uh, with regard to the challenges that we, we have noticed, first of all, we have the first one at social level. At social level, meaning uh, that the community perception, community perception of single uh, female that uh, returns is that they have been subject to some form of um, exploitation, and the anecdotal uh, evidence suggests that they have more difficulties uh, to socially uh, integrate. Uh, this is especially true uh, for for those uh, returning from the Gulf countries, uh, for instance. Uh, and then IOM uh, works with the uh, community influencers and key leaders uh, to, and to sensitize about uh, these issues. Um, the other uh, uh, challenge that we have noticed also is regarding uh, to, to the, um, let's say, uh, the challenge they face to find the right school, for instance, in reintegrating their children into their community because of language barriers. Uh, this is one, and we have also another one uh, related that on psychosocial challenges that they they they, they need and that they 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 they, they need. Uh, some also some women they return pregnant, for instance, without poor or non-natal care in their host countries. So and they need uh, medical care and psychosocial support. At the economic level, so female returnees sometimes uh, face discrimination in the employment sectors. So what we do is to encourage them to mitigate uh, this discrimination uh, for them to, for instance, uh, undertake technical and vocational uh, educational training in sectors that are mainly reserved uh, for uh, men. Uh, for instance, such as heavy duty machine uh, operations. Uh, these are one of the, the examples that I can do. Uh, the other uh, challenge is the non-inclusion in decision-making uh, process. For instance, those returning with their husband, uh, usually they tend to be uh, left aside when it's come to decide on the integration, uh, economic integration and business to be set up. Uh, that what we do is indeed to, to, to ensure that they also be their part of the participation and the process during all the process for them to give also their perspective in terms of uh, activities that they can uh, uh, put in self. Uh, but also I think on the positive aspect, I would say that we have also, we, we have women, we don't need to forget that we have women who are returning. Uh, when they return, they have also experienced that they have gained abroad and they also came with some funds they have accumulated over the world. And this is also, uh, I don't know if I can tell it has a challenge, but they put also in ch a challenge uh, the, the, some traditional uh, role and dependency on their husband because they depend, they become more autonomous more independent because they come with all this experience and some funds that they, that they have. So, and then they can also, their migration can be a positive social transformation, but on the other end, but also cause of gender related uh, conflict. So this is what I can say for now. Thank you very much for outlining all this, this different aspect, it was very rich. And you've already mentioned um, some of the action deployed by IOM um, and I was wondering whether you could tell us maybe a bit more also uh, the role played by the Ghanaian government uh, to respond to these specific difficulties and, and maybe to what extent this activity have been connected to Ghana plan to, to implement the global compact. Uh, thank you. Uh, so as I mentioned, I think uh, counseling uh, is very on, on mental health and psychosocial support is key. And for that, we are working closely with the government of, of Ghana, uh, indeed, to, to make sure that uh, uh, these migrants, when they come, they receive also the psychosocial support. And through that, of course, uh, we need to, to, to ensure that the actors, governmental actors, and not only governmental actors, but also the civil society, they have the capacity to provide these, these services uh, to, to, to migrants that are returning. Uh, this is one, uh, one of the actions that are uh, put in place with IOM support. And also, 
with re with regard uh, to 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 shelters uh, with regard to shelters we have also worked with the government uh, advocated toward the government for the establishment of suitable services that also include uh, returnees and make available uh, uh, services uh, for instance um, in particular the government recognizing the particular vulnerability of women returning without family so the government of ghana uh, has also put in place a shelter that provides temporary accommodation and other direct services uh, such as psychosocial support uh, as i mentioned and also with regard to those victims of trafficking also we the government uh, the ghana immigration police has also uh, put in place uh, services to provide uh, trauma uh, informed care to address mental uh, and health of, of uh, returnees uh, and right based approach when dealies, dealing with these cases. Uh, so these are also and also uh, for those who are returning uh, with um, their children, for instance, we have also be able to, to, to provide to, to work with the government for them uh, to provide access uh, to education uh, for the for these uh, children uh, at the policy level i think the government also uh, have also after the uh, adoption of the um, global compact of migration has also put in place adopted a labor uh, a national labor migration policy that also look at uh, let's say uh, putting a framework uh, for an ethical and orderly um, uh, uh, orderly uh, migration and also with a gender sensitive uh, approach with regard to protection of, and, and right of, of migrants. The government also have also been able with the support of IOM uh, to put in place a standard operating uh, procedures for the return and reintegration of migrant returning, of Ghana and returning from abroad. Uh, this to allow uh, to have uh, a common understanding uh, on, on the integration, which is indeed a, a global approach that uh, is needed and to make uh, that all the stakeholders and actors that are involved, involved in this sector has a common understanding on, on the process uh, with regard to reintegration. Thank you very much. Um, and maybe just in one minute, because I, I want to keep time for all of their speaker and, and uh, Q&A. But can you tell us in one minute, you know, despite all of these activities and this policy, um, we previously discussed that there's still some pressing gap when it comes to the reintegration uh, for female returnees. So if you can maybe just tell us one or two words uh, on, on what these are. So for, for the most pressing gap, I, I think I would say, um, uh, of course, resource, resources. Uh, I think uh, there is still a, a need to mobilize more resources. Uh, either through partner because the government is supported through part, uh, partners like IAM and other actors intervening in the field of uh, migration. But also, I think uh, for government uh, to, to be able to mobilize internal resources, for instance, uh, through alloc uh, budgetary allocation in certain ministries that, are, that have in charge uh, uh, this, uh, the reintegration. Uh, or taking in charge the victim of trafficking. This is one of the maybe key uh, key key uh, actors. And also, I think in terms of capacity building, the government needs uh, maybe to to have more support in terms of mainstreaming all the migration uh, activities, action or reintegration process, uh, protection needs, uh, and access to services is another opening up the, the access to services uh, for those who are coming back uh, at, at, at local level. Thank you very much. Um, so after this rich deep dive into return and reintegration in Ghana, um, I will now turn to Ms. Aziz, who is responsible for reintegration program at the civil society organization, Waldo in Pakistan. Um, Ms. Aziz, you're based in a country that's quite far from Ghana, um, and yet we can assume that some of the challenge um, that are faced by female returnee are similar. Um, can you tell us about what these difficulties are and how they depend on the situation of women upon their return, whether they return you know, on their own or with their family? Thank you, Camille. Uh, so, uh, as you said before, uh, the challenges are almost the same. In fact, we say all face the same challenges throughout the world. 
but since Pakistan is a heavily patriarchal society, therefore the women face a number of economic, social, and psychosocial challenges here. And since uh, women returnees are a marginalized group, therefore their challenges are magnified. Uh, most of the women that we have worked with, Baveldu has worked with over 11,000 returnees who have come back to Pakistan on voluntary and non-voluntary basis. So most of the women that we have worked with either had gone abroad in the first place as uh, wives or uh, with the wish to marry somebody of their own choice uh, in, in Europe uh, against their family's wishes. Uh, some of the women who have returned uh, have returned after they got divorced, uh, after marrying the person of their own choice. So uh, once they come back to Pakistan, they have to face the persecution from their families uh, who uh, don't welcome them as they welcome male uh, returnees. Uh, so immediately upon return, uh, women are faced with the need for adequate accommodation and accommodation facilities in Pakistan for women are not adequate. In fact, they're very few and very far in between. And it's not safe as well for women to, uh, uh, to uh, get benefit of those accommodation facilities as well. Uh, so uh, after the women come back under several programs that Veldu is carrying out for returns and integration, uh, they are faced with the accommodation challenges. Um, secondly, uh, the businesses in Pakistan are genderized, I would say. Uh, there are some businesses that have been tagged as women appropriate businesses, and there are other businesses uh, that are in the domain of uh, men. So the women operated, women appropriate businesses are uh, garment stores uh, or boutiques, I would say, uh, beauty salons. And uh, if women want to do a job, the more, most respectable job for women is considered to be teaching. Uh, so the, this uh, narrows the choices for women to do business here in Pakistan. And also it creates more competition among women who are running those businesses. So women are more in competition with each other than their male counterparts. And also uh, the, the genderized business face a bias when it comes to getting, buying inventory or getting a commission as well because the commission on goods that is available for uh, males is uh, double the commission of goods that is available for me, female. Uh, so it, a woman cannot hope to make a good profit to run or a business smoothly as compared to the male returnees who are coming back to Pakistan. Uh, the, the, another uh, very, very dire issue is traveling. Uh, traveling uh, is very difficult for women in here in Pakistan uh, because uh, the, the traveling options are not great. We don't have a good public transportation system here in Pakistan. Uh, for some of the public transportation that has been set up, women face harassment issues on those uh, uh, travel options all the time. Uh, in Pakistan, you would be much safer traveling with a five-year-old male ch child than traveling alone. So uh, you, you uh, put all these things together and you see that women have uh, uh, faced more challenges than men uh, when it comes to setting up a business. Uh, they have a particularly limited uh, reintegration assistance amount. They have to think about uh, 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 the accommodation requirement. They have to think about setting up a business for themselves. They have to think about getting lesser profits so all in all, the, the integration for women is, is very difficult here in Pakistan as compared to uh, our male returnees. Uh, the women who are single mothers also face the dilemma of uh, reintegration assistance uh, for the children's education, uh, accommodation and business startup uh, and health issues because uh, they cannot run their businesses while the children stay at home. They have to put them in nanny care or they have to put them in nurseries or schools. And then they have to think about uh, the. Uh, then they have to think about investing reintegration assistance uh, in their kids' education as well. So these are just some of the issues. Uh, the, um, I think I'm running out of time. So. Yeah, I just want to follow up. Th th thank you very much for this. And I think very um, important point on the challenge women face to open and manage a business um, and how these challenges are more important than the one that male returnee face. Um, could you give us a few examples of at Weldo what type of activity you've, you've deployed to address these specific challenges? 
Well, we uh, do provide under our various programs, we do provide accommodation assistance, business startup assistance, and assisting women in uh, admitting their children, uh, children in schools. But we can do so much as to what is available here in Pakistan uh, and what is available in the programs. Uh, we go, do go out of our way to help assist women uh, in uh, reintegrating them back into the society. For example, one of our attorney, uh, she married a man of her choice and uh, against her family wishes and then went to UK. After uh, a while, she got divorced because she was in an abusive relationship and then she came back to Pakistan. Now, upon return, her family wanted to kill her. So she did not want to go back to her, uh, her uh, 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 city uh, of return. So she stayed here in Rawalpindi and we had to provide accommodation to her. And then uh, uh, fortunately at that time, Veldu was running a project that provided uh, on-job training that provided TVET uh, education for uh, women and men here, uh, returnees here in Pakistan. So she was inducted in one of our uh, job uh, TVET training programs and she was able to get a job in a city where Veldu assisted her with, but still the problem of accommodation was there. Where, where would she stay in that city? So we had to get in touch with the returnees who had already come there, women returnees who have already come there, and then find her an accommodation that she could share with uh, another female returnee who has come back. So uh, we, we do try to assist women as much as possible, but uh, we can do all, uh, so much as we are allowed under the, the conditions in Pakistan and under the projects. Uh, and I would say the women returnees, they require much more attention and much more integration, much more uh, uh, choices when it comes to reintegration assistance uh, here in Pakistan, as well as in other countries across the world. Thank you very much, Ms. Aziz. Very, very interesting to hear your perspective from civil society actor and all the effort you deploy to deliver assistance to women in a context where they already face um, difficulty to access livelihoods um, and, and their right. Um, and now is our last speaker, um, we'll head to Europe um, where and discuss the situation of a group uh, that is even more vulnerable, uh, victims of trafficking. Um, so Ms. Meshi is the executive director of Different But Equal in Albania. Um, and among many things, her organization assists survivors of trafficking upon their return. Ms. Meshi, you've, you've heard from our other speakers all the difficulty faced by women returnees in Pakistan and Ghana and other contexts. Um, but you've also heard um, Ms. Manifold talk about victims of trafficking in Ghana and how um, they also face extra ch additional challenges. Can you describe what are the situation you're facing in Albania? Uh, to begin with, maybe. Thank you very much, Camille. And uh, as my uh, colleagues mentioned, challenges uh, faced by returnees, but uh, especially by victims of trafficking upon their return are married. Some are situated in the individual experiences and situations. Other are informed by the broader uh, socioeconomic uh, context. So some of these challenges include um, security problems that uh, come as a result of uh, uh, threats of traffickers or their family members. And also due to the fact uh, that for those victims of trafficking that collaborated with uh, justice institutions, uh, um, the penal proceedings uh, goes long and very often the traffickers are are not punished, and as far as traffickers are not punished, security is a concern for victims of trafficking and uh, even for the people that try to support them. Uh, stigma and victim blaming is another challenge, and I heard even my from my colleague from Pakistan. Uh, that victims of trafficking face when they return, including the rejection in many cases by their families and also by the community. And uh, this is one of the biggest challenges faced, especially by the sexual and gender uh, minorities. Most of them face stigma in the community where they have lived before uh, being trafficked. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, even rejection, discrimination. So they decide to be reintegrated in another environment, which uh, caused, of course, uh, challenges in uh, starting the new life in a new environment. 
Mental and physical health problems are another challenge which come as a consequence of many abuses that the victims of uh, trafficking has suffered during the trafficking experience. Traumas that victims of trafficking have passed have long-term effects in their lives and it needs a lot of support and in long-term, especially for their recuperation. Limited employment opportunities are very often cause difficulties, uh, especially in finding a suitable job and a sustainable job. And uh, this is especially a big challenge uh, for victims of trafficking who are alone mothers and do not have family support for their children. And very few jobs can suit to their situation. And moreover, as my colleague from Pakistan mentioned, to open a business or to run it that without uh, support. And uh, as uh, there are many gaps in our social provision system, it's even difficult for them to find alternative care for their children while they work. Finding long-term solution for housing is also uh, another uh, challenge for um, the returned victims of trafficking. As um, we in Albania, there are developed to a certain level the social housing program, but not all the municipalities has developed those programs. And in those that are developed are more uh, short-term solutions uh, and short-term uh, programs, uh, but uh, not uh, long-term uh, solutions. I might stop here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Ms. Meshi. I just wanted to follow up um, on all of this um, challenge that, that, that you've outlined. If you could share a few examples of concrete activities that your organization is, is doing on the ground. Yeah. Our organization, uh, it's an organization that uh, works 24 hours, seven days a week to provide the services for victims of trafficking. And we provide a full package of reintegration assistance through a three phases program where the first stage is initial crisis intervention, the second that can go up to six months, the second stage is uh, support for stabilization uh, and transition toward independent life, and the last stage is social inclusion and reintegration support. We have a multidisciplinary team composed of uh, social workers, psychologist, doctor, and lawyer that all together works to address different needs that the victims of trafficking uh, have. Uh, the provision of safe and affordable accommodation and care option, uh, like, for example, uh, shelter, which function 24 hours for those cases that needs uh, rented apartments for those that are transiting towards independent life or foster families uh, for minors, alternative placement for victims of trafficking that might have uh, mental, serious mental health problems. Uh, medical assistance and care in the short and in long term, including specialized medical treatment, uh, uh, also due to the uh, consequences of uh, that uh, problems that they have due to consequences of trafficking. Psychological support and counseling is an important intervention and support in our work in short and in long term. Uh, for example, we provide individual and group counseling, art, music or dance therapy, family counseling and support also. And uh, education, uh, including formal and non-formal education opportunities is another example, including schooling, uh, school reinsertion support, vocational training, professional training, life skills training and tutoring, uh, and counseling and orientation for professional trainings. And we dedicate a lot of uh, work in economic empowerment opportunities uh, and uh, development, which uh, can include job placement or internship, where we cooperate a lot with private sector in this aspect, income, other income generation activities, also business development and uh, support for running and counseling and coaching for employment. Legal assistance and support to victims of trafficking is very important and we provide this through uh, our lawyers, uh, especially uh, when they are included in um, criminal justice or even in civil and labor proceedings. Legal assistance 
assistance and support is um, uh, very often associated with their trafficking experiences. And uh, yeah, I will conclude with the specific support that we give even to the children of the victims of trafficking, where we address different of their need, but especially we have developed some alternative care, PM and after school care, in order uh, for them to have a safe environment while their mothers are working. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you to all the panelists for, for sharing all this very rich insight. I think we're saying like, despite, um, you know, you're representing very different contexts, we're seeing the similar needs in terms of access to shelter, um, the need for mental health support, sometimes the difficulty of, of not being able to rely on family networks anymore. And finally, the, all the, the challenges associated with gaining, you know, finding livelihoods um, to start their life again in, in the countries of origin. Um, before we open to question, and actually I'll integrate one of the questions we received in this, I'd like to turn to, um, to our three last panelists with just a question as to your objective, your expectation with the IMRF. Um, Dr. Lebel already mentioned what her plan was, uh, and I was wondering from your perspective if you had, um, if you had any, anything else to add as to what you would like to see in May uh, part, be part of the discussion between uh, all the different um, signatories of, of the Global Compact. Maybe, um, Ms. Vanifol, I'll start with you and then I'll end over to um, Ms. Aziz and then back to, to Ms. Meji. Okay, thank you again. Uh, maybe I would start maybe by a, a, a very firm commitment uh, for all the member states uh, to, 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 uh, to, to, to mobilize more resources uh, for um, the implementation to, uh, of the uh, GCM at country level, especially uh, in terms of reintegration, providing more financial and technical support to, to returnees. And uh, the other um, expectation relates, uh, for me, I hope that we will have a more strong commitment uh, from the government um, that will involve also the participation of decentralized services, for instance, to facilitate access uh, to relevant basic services, uh, such as the health, uh, childcare, uh, care, housing, shelter, food, et cetera, uh, through the strengthening of a referral uh, system. Uh, with here, I mean, I mean the, 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 the commitment for the enhancing capacities of local authorities uh, and community leaders, including civil society, uh, to include women's needs uh, in the reintegration process for a more equal participation uh, in, in, in uh, a country living. Uh, so uh, the last one uh, relates uh, to the need for a more long-term, maybe ambitious, uh, the need to ensure that women could participate in strategic solutions and policy development uh, platform. Uh, for us, in women's integration process, it is important to eliminate all the barriers and the vulnerabilities that women were facing before departure, avoiding to avoid uh, recidivism with an exposure to, to all the risks linked to, to irregular migration. This will happen only if we, we ensure a smooth uh, reintegration process uh, through effective measures to, to empower women. Thank you. Thank you, um, Ms. Aziz, if, if you want to follow up on that. Yes, uh, but, uh, based on our experience, what I would suggest, I mean, it may be too ambitious, but I think it is the need for the, of the hour. So uh, I would suggest a tailor-made program uh, for women returnees rather than a, 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 a program that is there for the male and the female returnees because the needs and requirements of the female uh, returnees are different than the male returnees. So the, the integration assistance that they get is the same. So it's a one uh, solution fit all uh, sort of situation that we are in. Uh, and the needs of women returnees are uh, accommodation, uh, then uh, job placement, uh, then uh, uh, the, the assistance for children's head education, then health assistance. Uh, uh, then on, on top of everything else, um, uh, more integration assistance amount when it comes to setting up a business, uh, because they usually require a helper if they have to run a business here in Pakistan, and that is not possible 
uh, in the in the reintegration amount that they are getting here in Pakistan uh, from several countries. So um, uh, uh, what I would like to see is uh, th there's a checklist uh, which the women attorneys can you, you know check each and every section of what sort of assistance they require. And then their integration assistance is tailored around that checklist. Uh, and it's not, uh, you go to the market, you buy a Coca-Cola bottle. It's like you go to the market and you have your own, uh, you have your own beverage uh, that gets mixed up. So women have different needs, women returnees specifically. They have different uh, requirements and they have different uh, issues, uh, different social issues, different economic and psychosocial issues. So when it comes to reintegrating women back into a society or in their country's, country of origin, they should be provided different reintegration uh, support uh, than what is uh, currently available. Thank you. And, and now I'm going over to you, Ms. Mishi. Thank you very much. Uh, my, uh, I would uh, like to bring two uh, recommendations that uh, for me, increasing efforts and resources for ensuring safe and dignified return and reintegration of victims of trafficking by taking into consideration, uh, especially the principles of do not harm, voluntariness, tailor-made by ensuring data protection, risk assessment, the needs assessment, and social inclusion programs in countries of origin. In order to avoid uh, any victimizing situation, but especially to ensure the successful reintegration, uh, in social inclusion programs should be available to all trafficked persons who wish to go back to their place of origin or even need to be resettled in a third country. Uh, these programs should aim for long-term um, empowerment and and social inclusion of trafficked person. And in this framework, I would like uh, to grow broader with my recommendation, like uh, it is a need to establish transnational referral mechanisms uh, where they are missing between countries of origin and destination and to be reinforced those that are already existing. I would like uh, to give another recommendation. Uh, on the improvement of the legal and institutional framework for the protection of victims of trafficking. I have seen uh, that many countries, included uh, Albania, do not have an anti-trafficking law or a modern slavery law. So a comprehensive anti-trafficking law with specific focus on protection of victims of trafficking is important to our uh, perspective for an effective anti-trafficking legal framework in each country and as a result in ensuring effective protection and assistance for successful reintegration of victims of trafficking. Thank you. Thank you so much to the three of you for sharing your objective ahead of, of the IMRF. I, th I think it's very helpful uh, to make it more concrete. Um, I'll now open to uh, Q&A to, to question from, from the audience. So please don't hesitate to mark your question in the chat box or to email them at even at migrationpolicy.org. And I have a first question uh, from our audience for Dr. Lobel. Um, because you mentioned the centers that are managed by Germany uh, to help, you know, different country to help reintegrate returnees. Um, and we had a question on how you ensure that the assistance was gender sensitive, but also how do you do the outreach uh, to female returnees who, for different reasons, may not uh, be so keen on visiting the center or, you know, claiming some of the assistance that um, they're entitled to? Yes, thank you so much. Um... I think the strength of our migration hubs or centers is that um, it's connected to our development policy in the country the migration um, center is located. So uh, we connect people who come to programs and to projects, let's say, for example, I understood very well from the Ghana example, for example, but also the other two um, panelists mentioned that uh, it's, it's often very difficult for the women to find a, a job because of cultural situation of husband uh, uh, and, and so on. I don't want to repeat. So what we try is to connect our development programs in the country with um, the migration center. So a woman comes and says, this is my problem. And they try to elaborate with her a business plan, for example. 
um, reflecting on the situation, the framework. And they also, on the other hand side, reach out to the programs and projects, to the communities we work in. Because when we work with, for example, with refugees, we also always work with the communities they live in. So we work with the community and try to bring people to the center. So this is to the question. So the, the migration center is a 360 degree again. We try to bring all the issues together. And there is one thing I was thinking the whole time when when, when I was listening to the very interesting inputs of the, of the other panelists. Um, I think uh, we have to open up the whole re return and reintegration story. We have to look at the root causes. Why does all this happen? Mariana mentioned uh, the legal framework and so on. I think it's very important to have a more um, coherent all over uh, um, look at the uh, return and reintegration because I haven't heard the word legal migration. Why not offer a woman that is in a problematic situation in a country and she wants to go back to the country of origin? I feel there are different solutions. She may stay in the country if there is an opportunity for the integration in the country where if they have legal migration laws, she may go back to her country of origin and there find uh, her new way of a living. So I just wanted to mention this. Uh, when I listen to all of you, I think we have to see it from different perspectives, the 360 degree, and try to connect more to the other side, which means, for example, um, um, the um, reintegration programs have to connect with the IOM legal migration issues and we try to work this for example with IOM for the last years we have a very close cooperation with them and we have to bring this into the GCM not only look at one part of the story thank you for allowing me to to line out this a little bit thank you very much um Dr Labol and I now have two questions um for Ms Aziz the first one is um, in the case of women returning from society with, you know, different social or cultural norms, um, you know, you mentioned um, the situation in Pakistan for women. Is that a problem? And have you managed the situation in the past? Or what type of activity do you think could help um, manage this situation? And a second question on the linkages between, um, you know, the what the information that's being shared by region consular, let's say in Europe, and the reintegration partner like you um, in Pakistan, do you feel women, especially vulnerable women, receive sufficient information as to what's waiting for them in, in back in Pakistan, or do you think um, there's a need to uh, to better prepare them to better uh, to share better quality information? Well, uh, the the women, as I mentioned earlier, uh, are being provided assistance when it comes to accommodation, uh, when it uh, business startup uh, assistance uh, towards uh, getting their children uh, admitted to schools. Uh, but this reintegration, this has to be done within a certain reintegration amount uh, that they are entitled to. So uh, the, the need of the women is much more than that reintegration amount. So they may need legal assistance, they may need uh, health assistance, they may need accommodation, they, they may need uh, uh, business startup support. So that amount becomes too less when you proportionate it uh, equally into all those requirements and needs. So Veldu uh, has been working with a number of women in Pakistan. We have uh, supported them reintegrate into Pakistani society. But uh, I wouldn't say this initiative has been 100% success because uh, the needs of uh, women uh, far outruns the, the, the assistance that, that is there for the women. And uh, as for the second question, can you repeat that again, please? The second question was on the information that's provided to female returnee prior to their return. Um, and here I'm thinking about the U European context where they're in touch with return consular and especially well, for vulnerable women. Women uh, here, uh, the, the most of the women that we have received uh, are not were not very well educated. Uh, the information that they require, they, that they've uh, received uh, while they were in Europe uh, was uh, communicated to them in English language. 
So there was this barrier. And uh, the, in the case of Pakistan, what we see mostly as we have done thorough research on why there's a communication gap and information gap of what is said and what the women understand is, uh, most of the uh, interpreters uh, that are being used by the European counselors uh, are not very well, well versed in uh, our local languages uh, here in Pakistan. So you have one national language and then you have uh, hundreds of local dialects uh, that women understand better than uh, they, they would understand Urdu language. Uh, furthermore, the, the interpreters being used uh, are mostly from India. So they fail to set, uh, get the point across to women returnees uh, uh, about the information that is available uh, upon their return. Uh, the uh, the information uh, that is relevant to the program, the information that is relevant to the reintegration assistance options. So once a woman comes back to Pakistan, it's uh, well do carrying out all the background information dissemination for the for the woman. So it's like this: a woman has decided to come back to Pakistan, and then she receives the information, uh, rather than receiving that information prior to her return. Uh, to cater to that, we have offered free services to women uh, and men returnees who are uh, who want to come back to Pakistan but haven't decided yet because of lack of information that they can speak to us on Skype every day uh, for two hours. And that uh, facility is being used by several returnees who decide to come back to Pakistan. And uh, since Veldu has carried uh, provided reintegration assistance to each and uh, to returnees in each and every area of Pakistan, Therefore, we have the, uh, the, the required information. Uh, for example, if a returnee wants to know whether we want to set up a business uh, in a certain area in Pakistan and that business is a tire business. So we have the information, how many businesses are tire businesses? What is the economic situation of the area that the returnee is coming back to? Uh, what are the, the reintegration options available for the returnees? Which businesses will work in that particular area? Which businesses won't? Uh, what are the travel options for that particular area? So. Uh, when when it comes to women or men, uh, there, there is a lack of communication. There is a, there's a gap in communication of what is being said and what is being understood and received, I would say. Thank you very much. Um, we just have time for two last questions. So I'll first turn to uh, Ms. Vanifol about you know the engagement of the of the government of Ghana to this gender approach you mentioned that that was something that they've integrated um in the past few years in relationship to to migration um from your experience you know in in practice how could um organization donor development agency push for um even more be done on the ground in terms of integrating um this gender these different gender approaches and catering for specifically for the, for the needs of female returnees. Okay, so uh, for me, I think the most uh, important thing, first step is indeed uh, to make sure that uh, the existing framework in terms of policy integrate uh, has the gender sensitive approach. This is at a global level. Uh, and then also now at, at more in a more concrete step, when we work through the mainstreaming into programs. And then once we tailored programs, when women's, when women's are received, if female are received, received in at country level, is to make sure that uh, the services that are here to support them have the, the, the capacity uh, first to understand their needs, how to identify, to do the correct screening of, of this female that maybe they may pass uh, to uh, several uh, di di their situation to understand their psychosocial needs and then also focus on their well-being. I think this is the most thing before we, we go to the step of uh, uh, reintegration, economic empowerment or economic reintegration. First of all, I think it, it is important first uh, to be able uh, to, 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 to see, to screen what are these needs, what are behind uh, these, uh, these, 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 these sufferings, how we can support from first uh, to, 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 uh, through uh, counseling, uh, psychosocial support, and then now after that to go. I think it is an integrated approach and then it is necessary that we look also with the local uh, services as we are here, we are supporting them, but it is important that the services has this capacity to integrate, to give access to these women and those who are these actors at the front line can be also able to, to support uh, uh, these women 
women to, to, to identify their needs, uh, first of all. And then that's also, I think there is a work that needs to be done at community level, of course. As I said, the communities have the first to stigmatize uh, these women who are coming back. So how can we also make sure that these communities, uh, uh, leaders uh, are also the one who can also sensitize or make sure that these women are integrated into uh, their communities that they are coming back through providing uh, support acceptance uh, from the for these women that will also help them to reintegrate better into their uh, communities over thank you and i'll now turn to miss Meshe for for my last question um, because you mentioned you know the lack of um, policy framework on trafficking um, and we had a question on efforts at regional level whether there were sufficient efforts to coordinate um, you know on this technical aspect uh, within your region to exchange good practices or if you thought that was something um, that was maybe a bit missing at the moment uh, regarding the legal framework, I would like to emphasize that um, there are gaps, especially for the protection of victims, not in penal aspects. So this is uh, regarding the regional uh, cooperation. Of course, there are uh, many efforts done through the years, especially in cooperation with the neighboring countries and with the countries of destination for victims of trafficking uh, through the cooperation agreements between uh, uh, governments, but even through efforts in uh, establishing uh, the unified SOP, especially between uh, four countries uh, in the region for the supporting return and reintegration of the victims of uh, trafficking. And we have in Albania a national referral mechanism for the protection of victims of trafficking and uh, which support all the efforts for the protection and reintegration of victims of trafficking. And it's a cooperation framework between civil society and governmental institutions. I don't know if time is. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. And, and thank you uh, to our four panelists. Thank you for everyone uh, for joining. Apologies, we didn't have the time to address all of the questions today, but do not hesitate to email us to follow up on, on this conversation, and we can also refer you to, uh, to our panelists. I would also like to um, thank my colleague Lisa Dixon for all the support in organizing this event. Um, the recording of this webinar will be available on the event website tomorrow, as well on the Migration Hub. And um, as for a reporter, you can contact my colleague Michelle Middlestadt um, with any question. Thank you all.